Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag Utah. It absolutely is key this week and that the leaders need to step up and where leadership is really needed and where it really comes to the forefront is when you have adversity and challenging times. You don't need a bunch of leadership when everything's going great. And so we absolutely need the leaders to step up this week. My guess is they will respond. That's Kyle Whittingham talking about bouncing back from the loss in a rivalry game. They haven't had to do that in a long time because the last time they lost, it was the season finale. Now they've lost in week two. They've got to bounce back. And they've got San Diego State and Dignity Health, Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson. That's a mouthful. In Carson, California, on the campus of beautiful Cal State Dominguez Hills. With a soccer stadium, is what I call it. CBS Sports Network, 5 o'clock. you got a key to watch for in this game. You fans will know they're okay early on if they see... I don't know if they bottle up Bell. Multiple Bells. Yeah, two Bell running backs. Uh, yeah, but if uh, Greg Bell's the lead guy, Greg Bell's the if guy. If he just really comes out and just starts picking up chunks, and you know it's second, third, and short, and they march down the field, that's going to be difficult. Uh, and then also too, Brewer's got to get time because I thought he looked okay when he had time. And it's like, well, you can say that just about anybody, really, when you think about it. I didn't really see him do well. When he had the enterprise, and who was it? it was either Dolce or O'Reilly, and both those guys played quarterbacks at the college level, saying, "Well, yeah, I mean, you can throw that statement out about any quarterback out there under the sun." Uh, so I get that, and that's true. So it, it just basically, what I'm saying is the same thing that Kyle said. The reason why they lost the game last week was the trenches, and then it's coming right back carry, to it. Yeah. Carry over. It's coming right back to it again. I was talking with somebody from. Uh, He's got connections to both programs. And he was saying, can the youths just give BYU credit? I said, uh, you know, it's funny because they face this internal dilemma that they've never faced before. They hate BYU, understand that, but they like Kalani. So they'll credit Kalani, but they won't say anything about the program. So they won't go over that line. <laughs> and I said, yeah, it was just a whole lot easier back in the Bronco days when you just hated everybody. <laughs> can't bring themselves to hate that man, but to hate BYU. That's 100% true. But the best answer for the Utes, if they want to be honest, is BYU is really good again. And so they got you. No, but but it doesn't mean anything's that. wrong with you. That's giving BYU credit. I know it is. But that, isn't that the best answer, though? No. Because then you're still set up to go 10-2 and two or 11-1. and one. That wouldn't happen. Everyone loses a conference game somewhere in the history of the league, but... Well, 11... Oh, 11, they won 11-1? Yeah, I got yeah, you. That okay. means they're 9-0, and and nobody goes 9-0, and but if uh, they're really good, then you can yeah, be really good, Yeah, but then you got to acknowledge they're really good last year, and you built your whole foundation on weak schedule. You mean how many people would have to call me and apologize? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Absolutely, I've got an idea. I sit here and read all these mentions on social media. There are a lot of people hanging on to they haven't played anybody. Yeah, well, that's all we heard all last year. 
blatant I know, but all disrespect those, of Coastal all Carolina. NFL people traipsing down there doesn't to matter. analyze all those guys. Well, that doesn't matter. That's besides the point. That, so, that is the point. No, those no, NFL no, guys are have, heartless. You can go anywhere have, to see a good football player. You can have NFL players on crappy teams. Yes, you absolutely not, see, do. I don't think they would say that they were crappy, but they weren't 11-1. and one. And they may not have been 11-1. and one. 11 I can and buy them. 8-4, and 7-5. and five. Uh, no, so That's a long way to go. I wouldn't go that far. You want to tell me they were nine and three or ten and two? Sure, that could have happened. But they were really good, and there's a decent chance they're really good again. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah State. You did this in chronological kickoff order, didn't you, Yock? I see how I'm, your brain I'm, works. I'm glad you caught up on. You this. started with the five o'clock game, the Utes, and now it's the Aggies, the five thirty game. Utah State, Mountain West Conference play is here. They're at the Air Force Academy. Both teams are 2-0. But what to make of the Air Force Academy? Yes, they just beat Navy last week, and that's a big game for them, but Navy's in a horrible stretch, and the AD and the coach can't agree on what to do with the offensive coordinator. And they've yeah, lost seven in a row. That's Navy. That had nothing to do with it. I know. So is Air Force... They run the ball, and if they can run the ball effectively, they're going to beat you. That never changes. It's not. I don't need to know what what to make of Air Force. You don't want to know if they beat a good team. What about their defense? They're the same team every year. Concept conceptually, conceptually. And if they can run that. the ball, they're going to be tough to beat because they just eat up massive amounts of clock and put the pressure on you to have production in your limited possessions. I don't know that it ever changes. And then the talent level can change from time to time, uh, but I don't. I think it's going to. They're going to be tough. They're going to be tough to beat, and it'd be a great win. It. We'll have to see at the end of the season, but I could argue to date it would be the best win. Air Force beat Lafayette in the opener, so they're two and zero. Also, Lafayette, oh. huh? Yeah, that's what we always used to say as a kid. Where are you going, Levin Lafayette Street? <laughs> Levin Lafayette Street is where my out of the Patriot League. My mother was raised. My grandmother was raised. Where I spent most of my time as a kid. My grandparents' house. My grandmother, Carmela Pasiello, was raised in the same house that she raised her ten kids. How about that? Odd, but somehow a little slice of Americana. I think it's cool. The immigrants came over, settled. There was a lot of Italians on that show. I wonder how many people in I wonder how many people in Utah, a lot of people are Utah lifers, how many people end up raising their kids in the house they grew up in. Because our next door neighbor did. He grew up in that house. I can think now of he and his wife raised their three kids there. I can think of two that I know personally. In the house of the it. rising sun. <laughs> so you always say Air Force is good when they have a senior quarterback. They got a junior quarterback, Zeke Daniels. He got to play six games last year. And he's played a couple this year, so he's got some experience, but not where he'll be down the road. I mean, usually when you talk senior quarterback, it's you're playing a kid who's probably got, you know, 20, 25 games under his belt. He's got eight. Yeah, last year was screwy. Yep. All right, full play-by-play. Everything starts on the zone tomorrow at 4.30. Scotty will have the pregame show for you then. The game kicks off at 5.30. It is on FS2. You'll have to go searching for that channel. That is the true TV of the college football season, FS2. DJ and PK. 
Hashtag BYU. I think it's just the same mindset that we did going into Utah. Transfers over to this week. We emphasize that we're taking it week by week and one game at a time. And that as long as we do like our small and simple things as the team and individually, I think our sharpness and our focus will be the exact same or even increased for this week's game. I think for us upperclassmen as well, we just echo off of what Kalani says. What Kalani gives us is what we echo off to the team. And from there on, our whole system is working and flowing right. Lorenzo Fauteo right there on the mindset for BYU going into the Arizona State game. Both 2-0. I'll give you the same question, PK. What do the Cougar fans need to see early on to know our team is in good shape in this one? 8-15 on ESPN. Offense. Moving the ball. You want to see first downs. Issues offense has not been explosive. It's not been prolific. So I suspect... The defense should be okay there, uh, but what the, the defensive for, defensively for the Devils? They've come in with a lot of hype, tons of hype, but that BYU feels and talking with guys off the side, they feel like they can move the ball on these guys. If they can, they'll have an excellent chance to win by four touchdowns, according to Papa P. <laughs> Papa P. Did say that yesterday. Well. Social media hit us up with it. And he doubled down on it. So if they can move the ball, then I really like their chances. The Sun Devil defense, so many returners. Uh, they lo- they lost their best defensive lineman to uh, tricep, bicep, tear, or something like that. And uh, he's out. And he was their big pass rusher. And they've sort of been weak at that position anyway for a number of years. So... Uh, but the secondary's got all sorts of experience, man. Just tons of it. Uh, but if the Cougars can move the ball, then they got an excellent chance to win. The line is inched up. Arizona State was a two-and-a-half point favorite. It's now three-and-a-half. There's people who like ASU. Put the over-under at 51. That's like a 27-24 game. So if BYU gets to 30, they win. You buy that? Because Vegas would. I can see that. I'm not sure the Sun Devils can score that many. They've struggled to score now. Well, yeah, I can't really count last year. Uh, and it, it, it's it's hard for me to say because yeah, they've, if I don't count last year, they only played four games, I think, and, and they had the first game in like well, three or four weeks without playing. If you only play four yeah. games, there isn't much yeah. last year to count. Right. And so, but then you go back to the year before they struggled to score. Well, the kid was a first year freshman, so the quarterback I'm speaking of, Daniels. What, what would you really expect? I got hit up yesterday. Somebody was, some Utah radio host said that ASU has the worst quarterback room in the nation. So I got bombarded with that. <laughs> they don't understand. I was making a joke of the room. You know, we've been laughing about the room. Right. But they literally they, don't have that many people in the room. Right. I remember you saying that. That was the joke. Right. And it was about the room. And we've been talking about the room has been the big weird to phrase it now for we've been laughing about that for a month but what's the point and go explain all that so the Cougar pregame show will start at 6 o'clock at JCW's in Provo tomorrow Yaki you know anybody who's going to be there uh yeah me go oh, meet Jake yeah, 6 yeah, o'clock get his autograph JCW's in Provo Hans will also be there so. well everybody's got his Lots autograph he's been around Hans is doing five remotes a week people have plenty of chances to I'm, meet Hans I'm aware All right, DJ and PK. That'd be six remotes. Right. Hashtag college football. You guys know me. 
I am where my feet are, okay? So when it's all said and done with, I am focused on the task at hand. I'm not worried about anything where my name is being mentioned. My job right now is to make sure that we're preparing, all right, for this weekend's of, uh, opponent. So if USC reached out to me right now, my answer would be I am preparing for this team to play against the Baltimore Ravens. And that's how I roll. You guys know that. My job is to make sure that we're ready to play a complete sound 60-minute football game where we can come out and win the game. So this is three days of these quotes now. That's Eric Bieniemy, Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator, getting asked about the USC vacancy. Everybody figures they're probably not getting the job and they don't need the distraction, but they don't want to say no, except for Urban. Urban said no. They don't want to say no and shut the door because USC job's real attractive. But nobody really wants to talk about a week two of the season. Well, week three of the college season. You know, your whole personal life can be crumbling, but that's, you know, you can deal with that. But if somebody mentions you for another job, oh no, you have to shut it down. I'm solely focused on the task at hand. You guys know me. That's how I roll. Well, everybody's got life. We come into work every day with baggage. There's stuff going on. <laughs> And so that's not a distraction. Sometimes more, sometimes <laughs> less. So if they have a, it goes every year. It'd be enemy if you want to be interested. I think you're bright enough to be able to do two things, to have casual interest, and maybe have your. And plus, you've got agent or agents. You're they gonna can need to have a conversation. Stuff right. You're gonna need to have a conversation with your agent. I'm interested. This is my number. Yeah, I don't see where it necessarily detracts. Like, that's the cardinal rule. They have it in the coach's office. You know, in baseball, you cannot bet on baseball. That's why Pete Rose is still out of the hall. Because he broke that rule that's stated on the wall of the clubhouse. Well, they must have it in the coach's room. Thou shall not publicly acknowledge entertaining another job while still employed. Like, what's the big deal if he just says, yeah, we'll see what happens. Now, back to who they play, Baltimore this week? Yeah. And you got Mahomes, so your preparation time is a lot easier. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Patrick, throw it to those guys. Travis Kelsey is still open. All right, notable games tomorrow. Number one, Alabama. Number 11, Florida. That's 130 on CBS. They have only played seven times in the regular season since the conference went to 12 teams almost 30 years ago. It's a good rivalry because they've met 10 times in the SEC title game in that span. Only seven in the regular season. SEC widely expect to go to nine conference games, so they'll start playing more conference games about the time everybody else goes to eight conference games in a Big Ten and a Pac-12. And all the arguments they've been making will flip. Look forward to that. Any chance Florida gets that PK? Or we just expect Bama to roll until we see otherwise. Yeah. Because that's what I expect. Bama rolls until we see otherwise. Bizarro note of the weekend, Purdue, their marching band has an enormous drum that's so big it won't fit through the tunnel, so it can't go on the field in Notre Dame. That's because Notre Dame won't let them use the tunnel that it would fit through. Oh, well. It's well, they could get a crane and lift it over. That would be cool. I'd like to see that. I don't know how much insurance that would cost lifting the crane over a crowd. Number 12, Notre Dame, hosting Purdue, 1230 on NBC. Big game in the Pac-12, number 13, UCLA, hosting Fresno State. UCLA got a marquee win, unscathed early in the year, unlike USC and Utah. There's only three teams in the Pac-12 that are undefeated. Right. ASU, 
UCLA, Oregon. That's it. 8.45 on Pac-12 net, so that'll be kicking off uh, 10.45 back east. That'll make a big national impact when it finishes at 2 o'clock in the morning. Weber State hosts James Madison, 6 o'clock. Number three, James Madison. That one's on KJS 14 if you want to see that. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Jones on a quarterback draw. He's going to keep it. He's into the five. He dives for the end zone. Did he get in? The officials say he was down at the half-inch line. Well, now they're scoring in a touchdown. Heineke back. Throws it right. Intercepted by Bradbury at the 20-yard line. He jumped the route. We said it all game long that Heineke was loose with the football. And James Bradbury, who's had a rough night, gets a huge interception with 2.16 to go. Hopkins is set. Snaps good. Hold down. Kick. This one is up. And that one is good. Washington wins 30-29. to Thursday night football, Taylor Heineke with a big interception late in the game, but they got the ball back and he threw a big touchdown pass, and then it all ends with Dustin Hopkins getting two chances. Missed the 48-yarder as time ran out, but there was a penalty, so it was an untimed down. They moved it five yards closer, and he nailed the 43-yarder. And Washington gets the win. Taylor Heineke throws for 336 yards, two touchdowns, and the one interception as Washington gets the win. Big game Sunday. Niners are going to the Eagles. Cowboys are going to the Chargers. And the Raiders are playing the Steelers. Those are some of the big games. The Sunday night game is the Chiefs and the Ravens. 6-20 on NBC. PK, we all want to see the Monday night game, right? That's the big bounce back game for Green Bay. Find out what the heck went on with that. Saints are playing the Panthers, so I guess we'll check out and see if the Saints are really that good and they're just going to roll. NFL, I can watch them all. Colts are going to make their debut on Hard Knocks later during the regular season. First time Hard Knocks will follow a team during the regular season. So usually they've been doing training camps. HBO is going to have a regular season version coming up. All right, I'm going to watch that. I got HBO free for three months. Sweet. So I'm down to uh, two months and three weeks. Good time to have it with this new... But my wife said she'd make a note of it because what they do is then they leave it on and just start charging you. Yeah, so she said because she said, well, they they offered it, so I said, yeah, but don't worry. When it comes time, I'll tell them no. Call and shut it off because I am not a movie guy. DJ PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Blackburn comes set at the belt. Brings it home, and a high fly ball, deep left center. The wind will push it to the wall, and gone. Salvador Perez, home run number 45. Fernando hammers this one. Deep down the left field line, it is gone. A home run for Tatis. Just over the 339 marker, a line shot to left field. And the Padres double their lead here in the third inning. Number 39 for Fernando Tatis Jr. Peralta from the belt. He's set. He deals. And it's hit on the ground. And it's through the left side for a base hit. Jones down from third. He scores. Orioles win it 3-2 in 10 innings. And it is a mob scene behind first base. Yankees have been beating up on the Orioles, and they had the lead early, but they blow it. 
Orioles tie it in the ninth, win it in the tenth. Did you see the Red Sox? Did you see that Tanner that was blowing up uh, social media? Tanner Hawk, that slider he threw. Started on the inside corner, ended up out in the left-handed bat, uh, batter's box. That was busy last night, no. That was nasty. Filthy. Short schedule. There weren't a lot of games in the uh, in the major leagues, but that uh, the video of Tanner that was. I think what they say is light schedule. Light schedule. Yeah, as opposed to short. Phillies beat the Cubs seventeen to eight. Bryce Harper went deep. Philly was down seven runs in that game and comes back to uh, to beat the Cubbies. Gave up seven in the third. Scored seven in the fourth. They had a big five run inning after that and got the win. Bees held on to beat the Reno Aces 13-10 in their series opener. Same two teams tonight, 7.30. Steve Clark will be on the air on the zone at 7.20. And Shohei Otani, arm soreness, probably done pitching for the year. He's 9-2. He's got a 3-3-6 ERA. But he probably won't pitch again. DJ PK. Hashtag RSL. RSL hosting Seattle, 7.30 tomorrow night, Rio Tinto Stadium. Everton will be back after getting suspended. Aaron Herrera has been out sick, but not COVID. See how he's feeling, see if he is back. And after that win, expect him to stick with a 3-5-2 for a third consecutive game. So what do you do in that situation? Do you just monitor the football scores on your phone? Yeah, and, uh, and DVR games. Yeah, home and roll through them. Yeah, but that's later. You're not gonna wait. No, I'll know when I I'll know when I'm in my car. Yeah. Do you look come on, not during the game I won't. Oh. I'm, I'm trying to identify guys so I can't be looking down at my phone. Yeah, but how about when the coaches take like a twenty second timeout? <laughs> they don't really take timeouts. Timeouts okay. don't really exist. So at halftime. Commercial you won't breaks in the post game show I'll be looking. Yeah. You won't even well, and I'll know time? and I'll know before the game too. I mean the U game's starting at five. We're not on the air till seven. So that's it'll be it'll probably there's TVs in the press box it'll probably be on up there so I'll probably see some of it early I'll have the game's DVR 7.30 tomorrow night for RSL and the Sounders what is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing there's no job too big or too small get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing call them at 801-295-1690 that's Shamrock Plumbing DJ and PK is 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Rod from Lenright. Lenright Mortgage joining us all morning long. And Rod, you can save people money. Yes, we can definitely do that. We're excited to be with you guys this morning. And uh, yeah, talk a little bit, especially about our Freedom Loan, which is uh, a particular product that allows people to get an interest rate that's at least as good and oftentimes better than what you get from a bank or credit union, usually a quarter percent lower if you're looking at the same closing costs, apple to apple. Uh, this morning just priced out, comparing the largest credit union in the state uh, at 2.875%, we can get a 2.625% and $1,400 lower in closing costs. So, so yeah. That's the kind of savings we're talking about. So you've also got some rates in the ones? That seems unbelievably low. 
Yeah, so on our 10 to 15 year terms, uh, we've got rates as low as 1.75%. So if you're looking to pay that mortgage off a few years sooner, uh, reduce the interest you're paying, uh, one of those terms in the 10 to 15 year range will get you a rate in as low as 1.75%. So how do people get a hold of you to get more information? What's the best way to contact you? Our phone number, easy to remember, it's 801-APPROVE, or you can find us on the web at lendrightmortgage.com. Lendright Mortgage, find them at lendrightmortgage.com. Thanks, Rod. Thank you. The Big Show Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Bruce Feldman from The Athletic has come up with a list of possible replacements for Clay Hilton at USC. Bruce says one other intriguing name among the sitting head coaches a Pac-12 source mentioned is BYU Satake. Kalani's deserving of that kind of consideration. My experience with USC through the years, I just don't know if Kalani is a big enough name for them. I've also seen lists with Kyle Whittingham's name on it. I don't think Kyle's going anywhere. No, and I would put the likelihood of Kalani getting that job low for some of the reasons you're alluding to, but I will say, I think he would do a good job at USC. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Football Fridays are presented by Mountainland Supply where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agriculture, irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. It's Football Friday. It's time for you to call your shots. Hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James, Facebook DJ and PK, and we will get to your predictions coming up. Right now, it's time to talk with David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. David joins us every week, and it's brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning. All right, football Friday. I need a little recap. I went hiking this or went camping this weekend, got off the grid. Came back off the grid midday Sunday and was like, what? How did that happen? You're How did BYU beat Utah? Well, we spent all week on that, David. Come on, man. Well, you know. They dominated I, the I, I want my own private little summation they here dominated before, we moved, the, San Diego, before they, we moved to San Diego State and Arizona State, right? Isn't that what we they, got this week? They dominated the offensive line and the defensive line. They won the trenches, and everything flowed from that. And so what has happened that that takes place? Because BYU was really getting hammered in that category, in that area for the last majority. It wasn't, you know, wasn't just skill positions winning this battle for the last few years. Yeah, I think it was a situation of the program growing up and getting guys off missions, getting them prepared, getting them to be in the program, getting them playing experience, having the coaching staff be – having continuity instead of changing over. So it was a combination of everything, really, when you look at the development of BYU's program. I mean, last year they had the soft schedule, so they weren't really taken seriously. Now this year you can't say, you can't justify or just say basically, yeah, well, two years in a row they didn't play anybody good. I mean, come on, that just doesn't work very well. So I think it's a lot of factors that went into it that allowed them to play well. Plus Utah was is a really young ball club, and last year they could have had an opportunity to develop to where they wouldn't be as young. But because of the situation with the COVID, that didn't happen as much to the level. Let's not forget, so two years ago, they lost so many guys, not just to eligibility exhaustion, but to the NFL. 
And then last year they played, they played five games, but nobody on that team at all played before 64,000. That was the very first time the majority of those kids had anybody outside of a smattering of people, and that doesn't count if you have a 1,000 or two at the top, so they didn't have that. So you factor all those things in there, and the uh, Cougars took advantage of it. That last note's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that. No, I mean, Kyle, the, Kyle, Kyle Whittingham said that defensively they just physically got pushed around in the second half, but on offense he said they missed a lot of assignments. And every Monday morning we have Nick Ford on, the Ute Center. He's really good. He's a good interview. What time? And he, 7.30. Right. And, and he Let's said – 7.30, appointment listening. He said they missed a lot. There were, he called them miscoms. There were miscoms. So, you know, BYU changes up their front. They're trying to communicate with everyone who you're blocking, and they missed. How much of that is crowd noise? Because guys just aren't used to it and don't handle it, don't react quickly enough, and turns into a bad play for Utah and a great play for BYU. Interesting times. The long-term ramifications evolve what we've been through in the last 18 months. It's going to linger for a long time. It's interesting to see. I mean, even just... Like on the jazz end, like Udoka Azabuki and Elijah Hughes, they just have missed so much. Like they're just so far behind. Like, you know, Doke got some nice time in the summer league. And, you know, Elijah's doing nice things as they kind of doing OTAs right now. But they're just, you know, particularly Elijah, when you think about the fact he played at Syracuse, right? So he didn't really play real defense. And he's now got to come out and try to learn how to play. Well, he just missed, you know, he got a little bit of bubble time and really no G League and no, you know, and then also, like, no, the things, like, the amount of things these guys have missed, even from, like, the workouts that you do pre-draft are really valuable because coaches are explaining to you terminology and the way you want to guard things. So you actually learn in every single one of those as you go, but they didn't do any of those. So, you know, we have a whole draft class in the NBA or two that I think has been vastly impacted. Yeah, so the the funny thing was uh, two years ago, so the year before last, when they had the big three-month break, we had Kenny Smith on our air, and a lot of people picked up on this. When they resumed play in the bubble, he was saying that, like Mitchell, instead of a second-year player, he was a third-year player because right. he had all that time to develop and study and blah, blah, blah. So he came back at, like it was the next season, even though it was a continuation. So what you're saying, basically, now the downside of this this season is those kids who would be in their second year, really, progression-wise, are they rookies? Right. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Doken and Elijah Hughes are basically rookies right now. I think they're start, you know they're starting from scratch, and so from our standpoint as a good team, you just really can't expect you're going to get anything out of them. Like they just need to go to the G League and play 40 minutes a night every night, because that's what they should have done last year. You know, Kevin Felton maybe had a better line on that whole thing than Kenny Smith did. He just thought it was the natural chronology, but we just we put everything into seasons, right? Yeah. But he actually just thought it was the natural chronology. They were just five months long farther along. It just wasn't a five months where we usually see guys play. So it's like seeing the nephew who you haven't seen for five months who grows a lot. If you're there every day, you right. don't see the player improving. But when you don't see him for five months, then you think, wow, this player took a step forward. Right. Just like this or the 60-year-old weight gain. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, yeah, okay. Good point. Okay. Yeah, the weight gain. Right. Maybe the or weight, the 50 weight, weight loss. Weight loss. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> I think you can see weight loss better than weight gain in day, oh. day to day. No, because I see Yach, and Yach's been dropping a lot of weight, and it didn't oh, I register. I thought it was obvious. It didn't register until I finally talked with him. It did with me. Well, 
You're, that great? you're a better person. Great, great, great job, Jake. No, I could, you could see it in his face. That's the thing about it. You could see it. Not so much in the a body, the gut, but really in the face because you look at the guy's face every day and you can see it. I did. Did yes, he gain, like, did he do, uh, this is what I did when my wife got pregnant the first time. I, like, gained, like, 18 pounds. Sympathy? <laughs> Pity weight? I don't know. <laughs> like, I think I gained more than she did when we are. If we have all these pictures, like, when the kids are born, she's like, looks fine. I look like a blip. <laughs> Hey, ESPN came out with the projection for regular season wins. They had the Jazz tops in the West at 55, the Lakers next at 53. Kind of made sense to me. I figured the Lakers are going to be resting guys, don't care where they're seated. But then I started wondering, do the Jazz really care where they're seated this year? Now that they've had the best record in the NBA, do they move into the playoffs? They're way more important. What do you think? Didn't it seem like having the one seed was pretty important last year? Like, didn't we get kind of a cakewalk in the first round? That had we not screwed around with various injuries, we probably should have swept that series and been done in four. Yeah, I would agree with that. Right, like it's really interesting to me. So we lost the Clippers in the second round, who were really good. It wasn't a great matchup, and we there's this new narrative that like the first like that the that the first round doesn't matter. Like the playoff seeding didn't matter. I I would totally disagree. Like. Playoff seating totally mattered. We got a cakewalk in the first round, and we got to the second round. Had we like just kind of rolled around, if we had Dallas in the first round, how would it have gone? More difficult. Right. I mean, are we certain we would even beat Luka? In? Like, I'm, I'm not. I'm pretty certain. We we play Memphis 10, ter- 10 series. They might get four games. And we don't hold our best player out for the first game. Like, right? Like, they... Like we lost the first game because Donovan didn't play and Rudy got in foul trouble for the first time all season long. So, like, but if we play Dallas, that's probably a six, seven game series. So I would say seeding is really important. And you know, it was unfortunate we got the Clippers in the second round, and they happened to have matchups that were particularly difficult for us. And the Jazz will work for the next eighty-two games to try to find ways to better handle that than they did last year. You know, mainly guarding your man. Like, let's. I've rewatched the second half of that game. Like, the national narrative is uh, absurd. The problem was that Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell were injured and guys turned the corner on them all game long. Donovan just couldn't move well enough. Mike couldn't either. And then, frankly, I can find a play where every other guy gets blown by. Joe, Jordan, anyone. Like, we just find it. Like, it's not hard. Just They just get blown by. And so the narrative out there that somehow, like, Rudy can't play in the playoffs is, is a laughable concept. The problem is if you can't guard your guy – and they just go one-on-one, head down to drive, that's a really big problem. The Jazz have to figure out whether they have guys in guard. That's a problem for everybody at any time. I mean, that's just the way it is in basketball. Uh, But the first round, though, just because you play a tougher matchup, does that have lingering effect? I mean, if you lose, obviously it's a major issue. Well, I mean, I just think you have a real chance. Like, I think there's seven teams that can win the West this year. Seven. I don't have the Warriors in that group. So if you include the Warriors, I think you get to eight. But maybe, it's, maybe, maybe if you include the Warriors at seven. But I think there's seven teams that can win the West. So Utah, Phoenix, L.A., L.A., Denver, Dallas. I guess Golden State is seven. So there's seven teams that, like, here's what I think is so crazy about this. Let's go to Dallas for a second. If you tell me Dallas has to play in the playing game, I'm like, yeah, I could see that. If you tell me Dallas wins the West, yeah, I could see that. Like, well, that's how, I guess like, if you're going to put seven teams in as, as teams that can win the West, you have to put one of them in a playing game. That's just the way the right. math works. Right, but that's different than we've ever had before. The league's really different in this regard. So now Denver Brooklyn to win the West, Dallas, 
I know, but you also had Denver in this group, and I have a hard time sure. with Denver. they got a major injury they're dealing with for most of the season, well, it looks like. They do, but two things to that. One is, you know, there is some feeling in Denver that Jamal could be back by All-Star break. But in the initial offseason, um, I actually was talking to Jazz assistant coach Mike Wells about this for a long time yesterday, and he had some interesting thoughts. He disagreed with me on this a little bit. So he's probably smarter than I am, so I just want to put that caveat out there. Um, but here's my take on Denver. So they, they've lost Jamal Murray's possessions, which seems like a really big deal, except for the fact they're going to Michael Porter Jr., who's amazing offensively. Amazing. In the last, like, 24 games, this is not going to be perfect, but in the last 24 games when Jamal Murray was out, he shot 55% from the field, 47% from three, and shot, shot 22, scored 22 points a game. He's one of the seven most efficient players in the NBA. He's not that far off Kevin Durant offensively, like at the similar stage of their careers and maybe even beyond. He's incredible. They're not going to be hurt at all offensively. Jamal, losing Jamal Murray is not a problem for them because Michael Porter Jr. picks up those possessions and runs them better. Their bigger problem is going to be when Jamal Murray comes back, how you reintegrate him. They're, they're going to be fine offensively. They have two of the top ten offensive players in the league, efficiency-wise, if Jokic has an MVP year again. The only question is whether the lack of Jamal Murray wears them down. Porter's a bad defensive player. Teams will take advantage of him. You know, he's had a back injury. Will he really be able to hold 82 games? Those are real issues. But if they don't have a significant injury, even without Jamal Murray, I think they're like number two or three offensive team in the Western Conference. They're great. So I have no problem putting Denver. In fact, if I had, like, I got asked yesterday by someone, who wins the West? And I just stuttered for like five minutes. I had no answer. And part of me actually went to Denver. Like, if Jamal Murray comes back and is healthy, which is a big if, yeah, I'm not sure that Denver with Aaron Gordon is your fourth best player at that point and like doesn't win the West and Will Barton is your fifth best player, doesn't win the West. Do you have the Jazz in that? Um, I think the Jazz are in this grouping. Like, I mean, I kind of think there's I think the te- seven teams have between like ten and eighteen percent, ten and nineteen percent of winning the, the conference and I'd be really surprised if someone gets to 20% at any point where I think they have a one-in-five chance to win it, and it's just going to be a battle. It's going to be about matchups. I mean, the one team I really don't like is the Lakers. Like Now, I love LeBron James, and I love Anthony Davis, but two things on that. One is LeBron is getting older. Like, I know he's still great, but he is getting older, and I have every statistical trend I can show that he's not quite what he once was. Two, Anthony Davis has never done what Jokic did last year, and that's what that roster actually needs him to do. They need Anthony Davis to have an MVP season. Now, last year, Anthony Davis actually had a bad year. And I don't know whether he had a bad year because of COVID and all the stuff that's going on, or if there's something like his body's breaking down or something. He had a bad year last year. He was not actually particularly good if you look at him statistically or even defensively. They were great defensively, but like now they've added Carmelo and Russell Westbrook and all these older guys. They're not good defensive players. So I'm totally lost on how the Lakers are scoring in the half court. They're going to have to play massive transition basketball where they're amazing. And, but to get transition, they're going to have to defend at a really, really high level. And, you know, I'm not sure that their personnel matches their defense that they had a year ago. And then there's the whole Anthony Davis center question. Like, Anthony Davis doesn't want to play center. Rich Paul's walking around town telling everyone they're going to play Anthony Davis the five and LeBron the four. But clearly, Anthony Davis doesn't want to, or they wouldn't be signing Dwight Howard, DeAndre Jordan, and a bunch of other seven-foot stiffs that are 63 years old to play center. You buy the Clippers, though, because Paul George is figuring yeah. out the postseason for all the problems I he's do, had? I do, I do buy the Clippers because... <clears throat> 
same as Denver. I'm actually kind of contrary to the narrative on everyone, so we'll see whether I'm right or wrong over time. Like, I really like Portland. I really like Dallas. I really like Denver, and I really like the Clippers. And everybody else doesn't like those teams for various doubt, but like the because of the Damian offseason. But they actually had a great offseason. They just didn't do anything splashy. And most national commentators just like Dame talk about Dame because they Brian Windhorst has nothing else to talk about. So he's going to oh I'm sorry he's going to talk about um, just you know whatever controversy he can have. The Clippers I like because yes they lost Kawhi Leonard and his 22 possessions a night, but it's not like Nicholas Batum and Marquise Morris and Reggie Jackson and even Terrence Mann or Serge Ibaka if he's healthy, which I doubt it, but any of the, it's not like those guys are upset they get three more possessions a game. They've actually all had to sacrifice greatly to be on that roster, and now they don't have to sacrifice. And they're all really, really good. So you, if Paul George can handle being the number one guy for the year, which he seems to have made great strides in his career. Now, he traditionally has these really, really bad months, and that'll kill him. But if he doesn't have that, if he's busted through that like 40% shooting, 31% month that he's had in almost every year of his career, that month's going to cost him. They'll go 7-7 seven and seven in that month. But otherwise, they're going to be really good, too. We saw it firsthand, right? Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was he was answering the bell night after night. There was none of the A boxing sh- analogy. shrinking from the moment. All right. <laughs> Thank you, PK. All right, so David. I like, we'll... I don't like, and, I don't, and I don't really like the Warriors. Like... <clears throat> Everyone's all in love with the Warriors because Clay Thompson's coming back. That like, so this is a non-playoff team last year, whose best player had an unbelievable season. Can't get much better than Steph was last year. Whose second best player, Draymond Green, is noticeably getting older and not can't move the same way. Still great, but noticeably different. Who added two rookies? Rookies have never rookies, excluding Donovan Mitchell just about never help you win in any way, shape, or form. And even Donovan that year wasn't very efficient. I mean, Don, rookies are not helpful in this Kareem league. was good, though. Yes, okay, 1968. Yes, we got it. Uh, Matthew Johnson, 1979. Woohoo! Um, Bird. Bird, 1979. Woohoo! We are relevant right now. Um, TVs were in black and white, but we're going to use that as a reference. Wow, point. you had a TV in 79? I did. I even had a, I had a computer a year later. How about that? Um, but not in 79 we didn't. We didn't have computers yet, but we're going to use that as our reference point. So rookies aren't helpful, so they add Moody and they add Kamunga, but, like, who cares? And then, so the whole reason we're basing the Warriors on getting better is that Clay Thompson, who hasn't played basketball in two years, is coming off an ACL and Achilles, and is not back until maybe January. Yeah, is going to be the difference idiot. maker. Like, like I'm not buying this at all on the Warriors, and I'm not buying the Lakers. So the world's buying the Lakers and Warriors. The world is saying no to the Blazers, Denver, and the Clippers, and I'm saying yes to all the, those teams. And uh-huh. the one thing I think Phoenix is going to be really, really good, but Chris Paul has said healthy. Obviously. But Chris. I'll wrap on this just as we're like, by the time we talk next week, we'll actually be like a day away from media day or three days away from media day. There's five players in the Western conference who I think can get noticeably can get better. Like, I don't think there was a single move in the Western conference that made any team notch better than they were a year ago, but Mikel Bridges, Devin Booker and Deandre Ayton are all going to be better. Donovan Mitchell can get better. And Michael Porter Jr. Can get better. Did you know, Oscar Robertson was three tenths of a, an assist away from averaging a triple-double when he was only 22 and 60-61? You know, I did. Um, <laughs> again, so John F. Kennedy was the president? That's about right, yeah. 62, was it? Was it 62 or 63? For the assassination? Yeah. 63? Yeah, I think 63. 
Okay. Because he's, he's in Dallas for re-election campaign. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. November 22, 1963. Yeah. You're a Stanford Cardinal going to Vanderbilt. You got one coach fired, so you're off to a good start I know. This you lose to Stanford and you, get your, you lose your job. Yeah. We really must suck. I will be. I didn't watch it. We went off the grid over the weekend. I watched the Stanford Kansas State game. They were so bad. I didn't think I could actually muster watching another. Like I've never felt this way about a team that I root for. They were so bad, so dreadful offensively against Kansas State that I literally was like, I don't think I can watch this. Like I'll see. I don't think I can do it. Like it's. It was so three and out, run in the middle throw a bad pass, run up the middle. Like, it was so Fuck. dreadful. And then they scored, like, 63 points against 50-whatever, 45 against USC. Holy cow. I mean, I, from what I saw in the first game was Kansas State, Clay Helton maybe should have been fired. But, God, can you, can you run a worse organization than firing a coach in the second game? Like, if every business book you've ever read in your entire life or how to do anything, like... Go to Herb Keller's book in, about Southwest Airlines. Like, good managers know in the first two weeks about their employees, and if they're not good, they actually exit immediately and let them go in the first two weeks. Like, you know. Like, if you're firing Clay Helton in the second game of the season, what were you doing in the offseason? You clearly didn't believe in him. Like, what a joke. Yeah, it's all PR. They didn't think they could justify firing after going 5-1 and one in that short season. But they, they wanted him out. They wanted him out for four years. They didn't him in the year before that, right? No, like, they what want, are they doing? They've wanted him out since at least 2018. It's been a long so time. So what are you doing? Just so bad. It's like you like that group. It's like giving a chef like the best ingredients in the world, and then letting no the dog choices, lick everything, right? And having him somehow screw it up. We'll leave it right there, David. We appreciate it. We, we will so talk to you again to next week. Yeah, Arkansas I know. kicking the crap out of Texas last week? That's like the greatest. Like, oh, we're going to screw you and go to the SEC. Ah! Oh, no. What have we done? Two and ten. Here we come. Uh, I think America's here for Texas at two and ten. Think- oh, my gosh. It's like so great. Just these, you know, keep, keep talking about great you were in the past. It's, Instead of rebranding yourself, like I'm sure that Xerox is still trying to sell, like they're doing great. David Locke brought to you by Kodak every week, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Thank you, David. See you. Coming up, Brent Brigham, Air Force B writer for the Gazette in Colorado Springs, will join us at 8:30. A couple of two and O teams playing Saturday night in Colorado Springs, and Doug Haller. Arizona State writer for the Athletic. A couple of two and O teams. He'll be playing in Provo Saturday night. He'll be here at nine thirty. DJ and PK. It's 97.5, the zone. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. After their emotional win against the Utes, BYU welcomes in another Pac-12 opponent as Arizona State rolls into Lavelle Edwards Stadium this Saturday. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 6 with a postgame show immediately following the game on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
Hey, Weber State fans, your ninth-ranked football team takes on number 3-ranked James Madison tomorrow at 6 o'clock. Purchase your tickets now at WeberStateSports.com or by calling 801-626-8500. 801-626-8500. Weber State and James Madison, Saturday night, 6 o'clock in Ogden. Biggest non-con game in school history. Not counting playoffs, of course. Biggest regular season non-con game. Bigger than going to play the Utes. Oh, yeah. That's just gravy. This is real, man. This is how you're judged. Selection committee will be looking at this when they're figuring Hardcore. out seedings. Yeah. Big game. And James Madison is making the trip here. All right, coming up, your predictions for this weekend. The question of the day. We got a lot of you weighing in right now. What is going to happen this weekend? It's Call Your Shot Friday right now. Hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James. Grab your phone, use our app, use the open mic feature, and send us the audio, and Yach will play it. DJ and PK, it's 97.5, 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Rod from Lynn Wright Mortgage. And Rod, you've got deals for people. You can save them money, and other lenders can't compete. Explain why you make that claim. Yeah, so one of the great reasons to work with us is that we're independent. So we work with the top lenders in the nation. So we have the ability to go out and independently shop all of those lenders and do your loan with the one that's got the lowest rate and fees. So we're not doing the loan ourselves. We're strictly independently shopping the premier lenders in the country. And then we leverage our discounts with those lenders pass that savings along to each of our clients. So that's one of the reasons why we've got our freedom loan in comparing the bank and credit union rates. We can get you a no cost loan. So looking at the largest credit union in the state, comparing with them, we're $5,500 lower at the exact same interest rate as the biggest credit union in the state. So that savings just passes right into your pocket and uh, get you a lower payment, a lower interest rate. And you've got rates all the way down into the ones. Yes, absolutely. Uh, So for those who are looking to get that loan paid off sooner rather than later, on our 10 to 15 year fixed rate conventional loans, 1.75%, we're doing a lot of those to help people get that mortgage knocked out sooner. So if people want to get a hold of you, what is the best way to contact you, get more information, and uh, see how this can work for them? Yeah, best way is just to pick up the phone, call us at 801-APPROVE, or visit us on the web at LendRightMortgage.com. LendRight Mortgage, online at LendRightMortgage.com. Thanks, Rod. Thank you.